Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to What The Bump. Today, we are gonna talk about hepatitis B vaccine and the erythromycin eye ointment. These are two out of the three medications, I guess we would call them, that are recommended at the birth of your newborn. We typically say within 24 hours, the other one being vitamin K, and I am gonna talk about vitamin K in the next episode, so make sure you come back to listen to that. I just didn't wanna put them all three into one episode because it would be a lot to talk about and probably a very long episode. So today, we're just gonna discuss hepatitis B and erythromycin. So the hepatitis B vaccine is, of course, a shot, as well as the vitamin K, and then the erythromycin is an eye ointment. And I will say most people who come into the hospital are either all or nothing. Some people kind of pick and choose between the three and what they want and what they don't. But for the most part, I feel like people either have a very strong stance on, yes, give my newborn whatever the CDC recommends, whatever most pediatricians recommend, which is going to be the full vaccination schedule. And other parents are absolutely no complete anti-vaccinators. They don't want any interventions. They want their newborn to be quote unquote as natural and with the least amount of interventions as possible. So diving into hepatitis B, what is hepatitis B? Why do we give a hepatitis B vaccine? So most newborns today are vaccinated in the United States against the hepatitis B virus. Usually, like I said, within 24 hours of birth, some people will opt to postpone it until they go and see their pediatrician and maybe do a little bit more research themselves. But anybody who does not get it at the hospital within that 24 hours of birth, we do have you sign a hepatitis B refusal form stating that you were informed about the vaccine, you understand the the risks of declining it and you basically just sign a paper saying that we are not liable for you not getting it while you're under our care in the hospital. Hepatitis B is a bloodborne virus that attacks your liver. There is about one case per 100,000 people currently. Now this used to be way more common, way more prevalent of a disease and thanks to vaccinations, we have almost gotten rid of it. And in children under the ages of 15, the incidence is as low as 0.02 per 100,000, which is extremely low. This virus is most commonly spread through an infected mother during the labor, delivery, and birth process just from all the bodily fluids, the blood that the baby is exposed to at delivery coming through the vaginal canal. The other most common route of an infection is through sex with an infected partner or by being stuck with a contaminated needle from somebody who had used the needle and been hepatitis B positive. So back when AIDS was very common, hepatitis B was worth preventing. It was part of childhood vaccinations. It still is. But as AIDS became more treatable and manageable, people really started focusing on the concerns of the hepatitis B vaccine, such as any neurological problems, the rising prevalence of autism and other neurological conditions. People started blaming vaccinations for some of those illnesses. The hepatitis B vaccine is recommended for gay men, injectable drug users, healthcare workers, hepatitis B positive, women's children, so any child born to hepatitis B positive woman, and all newborns weighing greater than 2,000 grams, which I believe is like four pounds, six ounces, within the first 24 hours of birth. And the hepatitis B vaccine is a three-series vaccine. So you're given it within that first 24 hours after birth at one to two months of age, and then at six to 18 months of age. So even though I said that pregnant women who are hepatitis B positive can infect their newborns during delivery, breastfeeding is still safe. I just want to add that in. Even if they're hepatitis B positive, you can still breastfeed your infant. It is not transmitted through the breast milk. And honestly, when I was researching to do this podcast, I was trying to find evidence-based articles, podcasts, 
anything like that that I could find like evidence for the infection risk and rates among hepatitis B positive mothers and non-hepatitis B positive mothers because that's really the big argument now I feel like people want to know if they're hepatitis B positive I feel like almost everyone would be like all right give my baby the hepatitis B vaccine at delivery like that's I feel like that's very common and widely accepted if you're hepatitis B positive but what people what the issue is now why people are declining this vaccine is because they're saying well I'm not hepatitis B positive I know that my family's not hepatitis B positive so the risk of my newborn being exposed is very slim which I completely understand and honestly like I I think the same thing I think well I'm hepatitis B negative I know my family is so when I have a newborn am I do I really need that vaccine and to be honest guys I really struggled to find any evidence-based research saying one way or the other I couldn't find podcasts on the hepatitis B vaccine from like all these birthing podcasts they talk about vitamin K and erythromycin all the time but it was really hard for me to find anything about hepatitis B I did find an article stating that two and three children that are infected with hepatitis B were actually born from women who are not infected with it and that these children were infected by family members or a close contact with somebody who was hepatitis B positive that didn't even know they were hepatitis B positive. Like they didn't show symptoms or know that, so they infected the children around them. And that those children could have been protected and prevented from getting hepatitis B from getting the vaccination at birth. That's honestly all I could find about it. So my goal with this is really just to tell you the information out there, what is recommended with the vaccine, the risks and benefits of it, and let you make your own informed decision yourself because it truly was hard to draw a clear line on, you know, whether you need it or whether you don't. So if you are hepatitis B positive, like I said, the evidence seems to support you need to give your baby the hepatitis B vaccination. Two things that we do at birth to prevent this, any mother who's hepatitis B positive instantly after birth, we give the newborn a bath with mild soap solution to get that hepatitis B contaminated blood and bodily fluids off of the baby and minimize the risks of the baby getting it through that bodily fluid right at birth. Normally we postpone the bath until mm, six hours, maybe the next day, depending on parent's preference. But if you're hepatitis B positive, that bath is the most instant. We also will give the hepatitis B vaccine within 12 hours of birth, followed by the vaccination series, which has a 85 to 95% efficiency of preventing your newborn from getting hepatitis B in a positive mother. So just to quickly recap, hepatitis B is a bloodborne virus that attacks the liver. There's about 0.02 cases per 100,000 children. The virus is commonly spread from an infected mother to a baby during the birthing process due to all the blood and bodily fluids. It is also spread through sex with an infected partner or a contaminated needle. This is preventable through the hepatitis B vaccine, which is recommended to be given to all infants born to a hepatitis B positive mother. And even mothers who are not positive, it is still recommended to be given to their babies. So with knowing all the information about hepatitis B, obviously the incidence of it is very low, especially in children and even in adults, one case per 100,000 is very low. So I want you to make the decision of giving your infant hepatitis B based on this information, based on what you know about the hepatitis B vaccine. It is really up to you. My goal is to empower you, educate you, and inform you to make that decision. Whether you think your infant could possibly be exposed to hepatitis B later on in their life, getting them this three series vaccine will really prevent them from ever contracting hepatitis B. So now let's unpack the erythromycin eye ointment. The erythromycin eye ointment really became popular in the late 1800s. About 10% of newborns back then developed an illness called, excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, ophthalmia neonatorum. It's basically conjunctiva or pink eye to make it a lot more simple. So it's an inflammation of the conjunctiva during the first week of life or weeks of life caused by gonorrhea or chlamydia mostly. It can also be caused by just other bacteria in the vaginal canal through birth. This illness did cause 
blindness in about 3% of the infants that were infected. So knowing that ON or ophthalmia neonatorum is caused by chlamydia, gonorrhea, and other bacteria, a huge way to minimize the risks of your infant ever contracting this is to simply test and treat any gonorrhea or chlamydia. So most women are tested in the first and third trimesters, depending on how your age and your provider preference, it really can change. But the gold standard is really to test you during that first and that third trimester. Now, some providers will consider you aged out at the age of 25 where they will no longer test you for gonorrhea or chlamydia. However, if you have any concerns or any signs or symptoms, please elevate that to your provider, especially if you are pregnant and get tested just because it can cause issues for your newborn at birth. And if you do test positive, you do wanna make sure that by that third trimester, you're retested and you are negative, or at least that you are for sure giving your newborn the erythromycin eye ointment if you do test positive. So in my hospital, the in most hospitals in the United States, the erythromycin eye ointment is recommended for every baby, just like the hepatitis B and vitamin K is. You do have to sign a refusal again for the erythromycin stating that you do not want it. In many countries, such as Australia, Norway, Great Britain, and Sweden, and a couple others, erythromycin eye ointment is actually no longer recommended for every single baby born as a prophylactic treatment. If the baby is born by cesarean, there is a extremely unlikely chance that the baby will develop any ON because they didn't even pass through the birth canal where that bacteria would be, where the infant would really pick it up. There was a study done with 230 infants in Brooklyn, New York, and all the mothers had chlamydia infections. So they took half of the mothers or a group of the mothers and they treated and prophylactically prevented their chlamydia, whereas the other group, they did not. They did not give any prophylactic medications to treat the chlamydia. And the rate of infection in the newborn who received the prophylaxis was only about 11 to 20%, whereas those who did not was 33%. Another study found that chlamydia conjunctiva was reduced by 68 to 77% in infants who were given the prophylaxis, which would be the erythromycin eye ointment, compared to the infants who did not receive any prophylaxis. Now, erythromycin prophylaxis is very important in geographical areas where gonorrhea rates and chlamydia rates are very high combined with low rates of prenatal care. So basically we're talking any third world country or countries where there is not routine prenatal care available for the big population of people and they might not have adequate resources to prevent sexually transmitted diseases as well. So just like the hepatitis B vaccine, with the erythromycin ointment, we really are preventing something specific. With hepatitis B, vaccine, we're preventing the hepatitis B virus. Now, if you're not hepatitis B positive, you're wondering, do I really need that, that vaccination for my newborn? Same with the erythromycin. If you're not gonorrhea or chlamydia positive, you're probably wondering, do I really need to give my newborn the erythromycin ointment? And like I said, somewhere around 30% of infections or of newborn conjunctiva were caused by other bacteria outside of anything sexually transmitted. And the erythromycin ointment still does prevent an eye infection from those other bacteria that can be in the vaginal canal. Now, if you are a mother that is not infected with gonorrhea or chlamydia, you're in a monogamous relationship with an unaffected partner, then it can be reasonable for you to decline the antibiotic eye ointment. However, if you are worried about your newborn getting any bacteria in their eyes during birth as they pass through the birthing canal, again, it's all up to you. I just want to educate you on what these medications are, why they're actually given, and let you make an educated, informed decision, one that you think really fits your opinions best and your wishes best. 
The other thing that I have heard of that I actually was very curious on was colostrum. I have heard, which is colostrum is the breast milk that you produce within the first mm, one, two, maybe three days of having a newborn. And some people have said that applying drops of colostrum from your breast onto the newborn's eye can actually work to lower the risks of any conjunctiva from non-chlamydial or non-gonorrheal bacteria. So if you have chlamydia or gonorrhea, colostrum is not going to help your baby's eyes. It's not going to prevent an infection. Let's say you do not have gonorrhea or chlamydia and you're thinking, I don't really think I wanna do the antibiotic ailment because I don't have those infections then like I said, 30% can still be caused by other bacteria. So this might be something you're interested in. Colostrum can help lower the risks of your baby developing any conjunctiva from a non-sexually transmitted bacteria source. And it is better than no prophylactic treatment. Honestly, it's not as good as the erythromycin in preventing those, but there was a greater percent of un- infected newborns that were given colostrum in their eyes. And I think it said about two drops per eye. So talking about the risks of the hepatitis B vaccination and the erythromycin eye ointment, let's start with hepatitis B. So of course you run the risk of causing your newborn pain right after they're born. A lot of people want to avoid the shot because the thought of giving their newborn baby a shot just does not settle well with them. Another risk of the hepatitis B vaccine is actually the ingredients in the vaccination. And I know that that is a big thing for a lot of people. And the main thing in the hepatitis B vaccine is aluminum. So there is aluminum in the vaccination. It's actually what is enables the vaccination to bind in your body and it is necessary for the vaccination to be effective. There is 250 micrograms of aluminum in most hepatitis B vac vaccines. Now the recommended dose of aluminum for a newborn is four to five micrograms per kilogram per day. So just to break that down for you, four to five micrograms per kilogram per day means that roughly an eight pound baby would have a maximum dose of 20 micrograms as their limit. So this is from the CDC. They recommend 20 micrograms of aluminum maximum for a newborn per day. And the hepatitis B has 250 micrograms of aluminum and you are giving that all right after birth. That is 15 times the recommended amount of aluminum for a newborn in that one vaccination. Yet that vaccination is still recommended, which truly does kind of confuse me because how can they say that, you know, an eight pound baby should only have 20 micrograms of aluminum, but then they also are telling you, oh, but give this baby your vaccination that has 15 times the amount of aluminum that your baby should really have. You run the risk of your baby just getting all that aluminum. Now the increased aluminum, newborns don't have the ability to filter that out of them. So that can inter interfere with cellular metabolism. It can become neurotoxic. It can become toxic in their bones. It can cause a free radical attack, cellular damage. Another huge risk with the hepatitis B vaccine is that only 24% of American teenagers who were given the vaccination at the recommended schedule, which is at birth, another dose at one to two months, and then another dose around six months, only 24% of them were still immune when they hit their teenage years. So that kind of shows that that three doses that they recommend in the time frame that they recommend really hasn't been effective. Only 24%, only one fourth of them were still actually immune in their teenage years. I, again, want to just inform you and empower you to make the decisions that you want to make around this vaccination. Those are the risks. It's mainly the aluminum and then just kind of questioning how truly effective it is. A route that you can go if you still want your newborn to be immune to hepatitis B is to actually just do the shots during their teenage years. That protects them. It makes it more effective because now they're actually going to carry it hopefully through adulthood, the immunity, and their bodies are a lot more able to tolerate that 250 micrograms of aluminum when they're teenagers, they are a lot bigger and they weigh more. So that four to five micrograms per kilograms is, gives them a lot bigger of an allowance for aluminum. 
Now with erythromycin, you always run the risk of eye irritation and blurry vision. Blurry vision will clear up. Anytime you put an ointment in your eyes, you are going to have some temporary blurry vision. And eye irritation does happen in some newborns. I do notice sometimes that some of my babies will just have like redness around their eyes and their face for a little while. That normally clears up as well. One huge risk or concern I would say with the erythromycin eye ointment is the fact that it just might be unnecessary. In the United States, we do a very good job at screening our mothers for chlamydia, gonorrhea, any sexually transmitted diseases. And after that screening is done, I mean, if it comes back positive, you're treated. So your newborn receiving the erythromycin, if you know that you are negative for sexually transmitted diseases, can really be pointless. I mean, a single dose of an eye ointment or an eye antibiotic is really not proven to be adequate to treat an eye infection anyway. So if your baby does develop an eye infection for, from one of the bacteria that is not sexually transmitted, like I said, about 30 to 40% can be from a just a different bacteria in your vaginal canal. One dose of eye antibiotics is not going to be adequate to treat that eye infection. They actually need usually a intramuscular shot of an antibiotic or multiple doses of antibiotics in their eyes to treat that eye infection. So that's really all the information I have on hepatitis B and erythromycin. I wish I had a strong stance onto yes, you should do it or no, you should not. But truly, I don't. I just want to educate you on both of them because honestly, hepatitis B and erythromycin are just both so circumstantial. Like they're, they depend so much on you and your status while you're having the baby. Whether hepatitis B is something that is in your life at all, yeah, you should get the vaccination. And whether chlamydia, gonorrhea are something that you worry about, yeah, you should use the erythromycin ointment. So they both just really depend on your circumstance. And I, like I said, my goal is really just to empower you to make the decision that you want to make and educate you that way. You aren't just somebody who, you know, throws their hands in the air and refuses every single thing that the hospital wants to give you a newborn baby because you want to be all natural because there are some things that are very important for your baby to have depending on the circumstance that you're in. So make sure you come back next week to talk about the vitamin K shot. And I will tell you right now, I do have a very hard stance on the vitamin K shot. And I will share that with you again not sharing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share my opinion, but I'm mainly just going to share evidence and tell you the truth about the vitamin K shot, the benefits, the risks. And in the end, I always want to empower you to make your own educated and informed decision. That is all. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I'm still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you. And I will see you next week.